Oh, what a great piece of music. Every time, every week. Oh, all over my body. Just chills, baby. What's going on, guys? And welcome to yet another episode of Bearing Fake News. First and foremost, a huge thank you to everyone who got involved with last week's show, the Deviant Downloaders. You know who you are. We really appreciate the support. The Legion of Lewis, Mariella's Militia, the Battalion of Bearing Fake News. We're available all over the internet. We're actually available twice on Google Podcasts. Make sure you get the one with the logo. We're available in all day. Don't come in too early. I can hear you. I don't need chuntering from a sedentary position. Available all over the internet. Tell your friends, try the waitress, tip the veal. But for those of you who are new to the show, my name's Lewis and I'm the soon-to-be Dr. G. This is Bearing Fake News, the show dedicated to blasting and smashing fake news on your social media. And as ever, to join me in this crusade, it's my missus, it's my carer, the boss, Lafa. You know who she is, the queen of Bearing Fake News. You've already heard her chuntering from the sedentary position, too hot for YouTube to handle. Part-time interpreter, full-time chief distiller at the all-round Good Egg Brewery Corporation. It's Mariella. Mariella, welcome back to episode 9 of Burying Fake News. Hi guys! Thank you so much for that intro, <laughs> that intro though. <laughs> I nearly gave myself a hernia doing that. I couldn't help but chuckle. I usually mute myself so I can actually laugh and I completely forgot, so apologies. Well, good, you can laugh away. This is a positive, happy, fun fucking episode of Bearing Fake News. That We're going to be so fucking happy, they're going to have to blast the smile from our faces with a fucking sandblaster. <laughs> oh my goodness, and we're on Google Podcasts, what were you saying, twice? Oh yes, it's a, a, a minor hiccup <laughs> on my part that I'm working to resolve. <laughs> Alright, alright. Well that was news to me too. We were in a tight ship here and we're a very professional outfit, so don't worry, we've got we've got all the guys on it. We're not at all amateurs. <laughs> but I said it's a, a happy, happy episode. We're gonna be positive. I'm always positive and I'm gonna start with my positive statement regarding last week's show. Are you ready? Oh gosh, I'm not sure, but let's see. Last week I sounded like the intro to the... Uh, did you ever watch The Untouchables, the, the, the black and white, uh, 1959? No. Late that night, Frank Nimmy, <laughs> Al Capone's gangland enforcer, plotted to... <laughs> <laughs> that is not the prepared last, thing, by the way. <laughs> last week, uh, we did an episode on hydroxychloroquine. We sort of said how it is essentially bullshit. We put it on YouTube, and that is customary. The show goes up on YouTube a day before it hits Spotify, Stitcher, blah, blah, blah. It is just to show a bit of solidarity and love to the YouTube community that we're trying to grow and develop, right? Yeah. Mm, yes, agree with me. I mean, people can see you nodding, but this is a, a, an audio show and not a visual show. So if you could make noises of your nodding in uh, agreement, that would be helpful. Well, that's what mm -hmm, is. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> So I uploaded the show on Sunday night and I thought nothing of it. I then got onto podcast.com and Spotify and Stitcher on the Monday morning, only to find that the YouTube copy had been up less than 24 hours. Less than 24 hours before it was taken down. It was, it was demoted, ditched and abandoned. It was covered in flames and neglected from being on their platform. And do you know why? Why? Please enlighten me. Because, according to YouTube... We went against WHO guidelines. I am shocked. Absolutely. So obviously I appealed. I sent them all the uh, info to explain that this is in fact the exact opposite 
of what the show was and had clearly been reported by the fucking Trumpanzees who treat HCQ like a religion. So I'd like to say at the top of this show, very directly, a big fuck you and fuck you moron leader who's done nothing of note during this pandemic except downplay it, self-congratulate, lie and claim it will magically disappear. That's what I want to say to all the people who God has taken off of YouTube. After less than 24 hours, they were butt hurt. And I want to say, fuck all of you who believe his unfounded bullshit, who continue to flout social distancing rules and mask wearing rules. Him and all of you are the reason that your country is a disease-ridden shithole. I don't care if you disagree with the science or you have a different opinion. To quote Pig Shit's press secretary the other day, this is what the press secretary for, for the fucking idiot said. She said, quote, science shouldn't stand in the way of opening schools. What a load of bullshit. Facts are facts, no matter your political persuasion, your religion, your race, your sexuality. You cannot change facts. Facts such as the sky is blue. Facts like your dear leader whose shoes you lick disreputes the words of your country's top infectious disease doctor because he keeps telling the scientific truth. Your dear leader who wants all of the testing and fatality data from hospitals to bypass the CDC go straight to the White House so they can cook their own books themselves and that data won't even be made publicly, public knowledge won't be available to the public. Can this get any more ridiculous? People cannot see through this incompetent piece of shit who is in way over his head and severely underqualified. It's just willful ignorance at this point. His family knows he's a fraud. Anyone who's ever worked with him knows he's a fraud. And not at a single point has he shown any compassion, empathy or care towards the families bereaved by this, those that are suffering with this massive loss of life, many of which could have been significantly avoided if you'd had someone in place who didn't spend the day tossing himself off and ignoring the difficult but truthful scientific data. Gee whiz, my heart just pours. My heart really does go out to those who are being held hostage by this sack of shit and his shit-eating followers and those who have lost someone, which may or may not have been the case, had shit been taken seriously earlier on by someone more qualified. Fuck. All right, well, that was a prepared statement. Um, yes, um, I think that... You know, it was kind of like a weird email to receive, um, seeing that the, the video was taken off YouTube. At the same time, I do think, you know, kudos to YouTube. Welcome back, our YouTube listeners, because that will be redacted from the YouTube. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Um, you know, I, I definitely think kudos to, to YouTube for being on top of their misinformation game. I was a little bit shocked at first, thinking like, well, what was their stance with the hydroxychloroquine, you know, stuff that we talked about. And then when I realized that they were just looking for information that was in line with uh, WHO guidelines, I thought, you know what, that's good. Um, we are all about spreading, you know, real evidence-based facts in this podcast. So 
it was a minor inconvenience for us, but as an overall um, action, I fully support YouTube for doing that. Well, no, they, they reacted based on spam efforts by the delinquents who were offended. But I, by their... I, I definitely think that, you know, um, you can't have a million people operating every single complaint that comes on. So it is kind of, you know, I guess the automatic taking away to revise it first um, is probably the most appropriate plan. Like I said, minor inconvenience for us, but, you know, they've looked it over and they um, replied favorably to your appeal. So, you know, we're back on there. Um, Yes, because their appeal said we didn't go with who guidelines, and I sent them a soliloquy of why we are and all the data, including links to the Lancet Journal article and the the, the New England Journal of Medicine article, and excerpts from the World Health Organization website. Yeah, where they say they've discontinued this. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, they had to review what we had said to make sure that's what we were saying, Um, and they were just immediately responding to somebody who had. Uh, complain right so and i'll also say this i will never ever ever tell someone from another country how they should vote or who they should vote for in their best interest i never will do that mm-hmm. but fuck come on <laughs> come on well you know i think once it's not looking good now especially you know coming from someone who is their neighbor in the south border um America's having a hard time. And unfortunately, you know, it's not really until after the fact that we look back and say we could have done a lot more. And I think both in Mexico and in, in the U.S.'s um, case, especially, we can be doing a lot more now. Hey, we, we could have done a lot more earlier on, but, you know, that, that that's a different kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. We're talking about what we do know now. Mm-hmm. You know, just a disgrace. Um you see it in the news and in the media all the time. Like they're worried about a second wave. They're not even halfway through their first wave. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's terrifying, and I'm hoping that our leaders, you know, that we look to for guidance and for our well-being, do what's best for everyone, and don't just look out for private interests or, you know, um, the interests of the few people. Well. Talking of private interest, should we get talking about the subject base for this episode? Yes, a subject that I have little to absolutely non-existence uh, knowledge about. <laughs> so for those who don't live on the internet, um, Elon Musk, Barack Obama, Biden and a few of the big wigs had their Twitter accounts hacked a couple of weeks ago and they were putting a message out saying, send me your Bitcoin to this address. I will return it in double as a philanthropic effort. And it was turned out to be bogus, but whoever scam it had, they made some money from it. And that got me thinking, do people know what Bitcoin is? And I said to you, what's Bitcoin? And you were like, I thought, well, maybe we should talk about Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I did see the tweets and I was, you know, hesitant about it. But let's learn more about it. I can can hear uh, Maggie's hesitant about it as well. She's roaring to learn more. Yeah, yeah, my dogs are all about uh, that cryptocurrency. So this will just be an introduction and overview of of Bitcoin. I'm going to try and avoid going into ridiculous detail because it is quite complex, really. Um, But we'll go with with an overview of it. So the easiest way to start about it, I thought, was by asking, what is money? Ooh, 
we're really taking a step back and reviewing everything then. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, money, I guess, as we know it now, is, you know, these pieces of paper and these coins that are equivalent value of certain... Okay, he's going to, you know, just go on. Um, it's commodities. Well, no, no. Where's that? It's pieces of paper and coins that we use to exchange goods. Previously, it's been, you know, different things. And now it's this form of currency where we have physical papers and coins. Yeah. So it used to be different things. And now it's obviously papers and coins. Money represents value. You do work for me and I give you money, which represents the work's value. You then use that money to buy something of value. And throughout history, we've actually used lots of different materials for money. We've used salt, wheat, shells, and of course, gold. All of these have been used as a medium of value. And in order for something to represent value, we have to trust it is valuable and it will stay valuable long enough for them to redeem it and have that value in the future. So up to about 100 years ago or, or so, we used some thing to represent value. However, along the, the way, we've had a shift from trusting something to trusting someone. People found it too cumbersome to travel around the world carrying gold bars around and bags of salt. So paper money was invented. It worked by a bank or a government, a central authority, offering to take possession of your gold bar worth, say, a thousand pound, and in return, the bank would give you a receipt certificate. We call them bills, and they'd amount to a thousand pound. And not only was this easier to carry around and more practical, but you could also spend a pound on a bag of chips and you wouldn't have to cut a gold bar into a thousand pieces. If you needed to get your money back, you would take the bills to the bank and redeem it for the actual form of money, in this case, your gold bar. Hence, paper money started being utilised owing to, this, again, its practicality and convenience. Interestingly, as time progressed, we saw global economic changes, and I won't go into the detail of them because it's quite complex and big, but these changes saw the bond between paper money and the gold it represents being broken. And the complete reasoning why is, <sighs> again, very complex, but it ultimately resulted in governments themselves saying that they would be liable for the value of that paper money. As a globe, we pretty much said, let's forget about the gold and trade paper instead. And so people continue to trade with receipts backed by government promises or banks promises, central authority promises. And do you know why that continued to work? Because of trust. Hmm. Even though there was no gold bars, people trusted the government and that's how fiat money was created. Fiat is just a Latin word which means by decree. It means the pound sterling, the dollar, the peso, the euro, etc. has value because the government orders it to. It's what's known as legal tender. Coins and banknotes which are to be accepted if offered as payment. So today's money stems from a legal status given to it by a central authority, and in this case the government, and, and therefore our trust has changed from something to someone, the government, the central authorities, the banks. The two major drawbacks of fiat money, and this is 
about as positive as I can be about cryptocurrency in general. I had to really check my bias at the gates when I started writing this. The two major drawbacks of fiat money is it is centralized. And a central authority that controls and issues it is a, a, can be, rather, a major drawback. And second of all, it's not limited by quantity. The government or bank can, in theory, print as much as they want of it and inflate the money supply in the market. And the problem here is the value is dropped and your money is worth less if they decide to make more of it. This drops the purchasing power of your money, meaning over the years you would need more to buy something which used to, quote-unquote, cost less. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Once established, the move from fiat money to digital money was fairly simple. We already had a central authority issuing money, so why not let them make it digital and let that central authority keep track of who has what? Today, we mostly use cards, we wire money, PayPal, and other forms to transfer digital money. The amount of physical money in the world, by comparison, is negligible. It's, it's getting smaller as each year passes. So how does it work? If I have a file that's worth £1, what stops me from copying and pasting that file to a few million pounds? This is called the double spend problem. The solution today is because it's all centralised. They keep a ledger on the computer, which keeps tracks of who owns what. Everyone has an account and the ledger tracks them all. We trust the bank and the bank trusts the computer. That's where the ledger is. The solution is centralised on one ledger on one computer. So fast forward a few years, there were several attempts pre-Bitcoin to make a digital currency, but none could solve this double spend problem this well can i just copy and paste it and make it make me rich and none of them could solve that without a central authority if you give someone authority you give them an insane amount of power and this generates three major problems the first is corruption absolute power corrupts absolutely when banks have a mandate to create money or, or create value they control the flow of value in the world with nearly unlimited power. A small but recent example of this corruption was in the Wells Fargo scandal, the world's fourth largest bank, was the latest, and they showed this year 2 million fake bank accounts were found to be created and manipulated by Wells Fargo employees to inflate the bank's revenue streams, unbeknown to actual customers for years. So the value of the bank was overhyped than what it actually was through these fake accounts that were created. Oh, yikes. The second issue of centralized. Oh, yikes, indeed. This That could be an entire episode, entire series of episodes on its own at Lindsey Graham. The, the second issue of centralized power is mismanagement. If the central authority's interests are not aligned with the people's, there can be a case of, of the mismanagement of the money. So, for example, printing a load of money to save a certain bank or save a certain institution from collapsing as per 2008. And this ups inflation and erodes away the value of, of your citizens' money. And a real extreme value, uh, extreme, but a real extreme example of this is Venezuela. The government printed so much money and the value has dropped so much, people no longer count the money, but they weigh it instead. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to look at like billions and billions to buy like, you know, a pound of sugar. It's a really unfortunate event. Sad as shit. And the final issue is control. We give all of our control to the government or the bank, the central authority. If your government has a hissy fit one day, or you elect a communist nerf herder, called for example, the government can freeze your account and access to your funds. Even if, only, even if you only use cold hard cash, the government can cancel the legal status of your money, whether they get rid of it to make new notes in its place, or doing away with, in the UK we used to have five pound coins, they got rid of that. So if you only deal with them, you've lost all your money. Recently in India, they got rid of 500,000 rupee uh, notes to try and curb corruption. Creating an alternative to this monetary system seemed for a long time more like an academic question and real lost cause. And that was until October 2008, and then really into 2009, a document was published online by someone calling themselves, whether it be a singular or a group, calling themselves... Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto, entitled, quote, Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. This document suggested a way to create Bitcoin, the, a digital currency, which solves the double spend problem, was the first to do so, and removes the need for central authority. At its core, it's money with a transparent ledger. I'll explain what is meant by this. And Again, I had to really check my bias against Bitcoin for for my research and kind of explain it. So this is me on a, as positive as I can be about it. We're having a positive episode. Um, let's compare Bitcoin to a bank, right? The bank basically has its own ledger, keeping track of balances and transactions. The bank's ledger, however, is not transparent. It's stored on the bank's main computer. You can't look at it. You can't get a at it, you can't get access to it. Only the bank has complete control over it. Bitcoin has a transparent ledger. At any point in time, any person can look at it and see all the transactions and balances taking place. The part you can't figure out is who owns the balances, who's made the transactions, and what for. This makes it a pseudo-anonymous currency. Everything is open and transparent, but you can't see who is sending what to whom. So you can see which Bitcoin address is sending how many Bitcoin to another address, which for this sake are accounts, if you like. This is also decentralized as there's not one ledger, but a copy of the ledger on every computer that participates in the system. And this is called the blockchain. To hack the system, to manipulate the ledger, to do that copy and paste, you'd have to hack thousands of computers, thousands of computers that keep a copy and they're constantly updating it. There are no actual physical coins. This is a completely digital currency. There are only rows of transactions and balances. And when you quote own Bitcoin, you own the right to access a specific Bitcoin address in the ledger and send funds from it to another address. And so what does this mean? It means that for the first time ever since fiat money, there now exists an alternative to the current system, a form of money no bank or government controls. How the internet proliferated information, think of Bitcoin, the internet of money. Before the internet, 
information was quite controlled. You'd have to go to the newspapers, to the libraries. You'd have to, to go to an institute. And then everything was just at the click of a button. And Bitcoin's kind of like the internet of the money. It's decentralized solution to money. It gives people full control. Nobody can freeze your account. It cuts out a lot of middlemen making transfer of funds essentially free compared to wiring money or chaps payments. And it brings all of those people without banking or who are underbanked into the fold. Regardless of where you're born, under what circumstances, anyone with a phone and Wi-Fi can bank, which currently there's about two and a half billion people who don't. Today, you can buy a bunch of commerce with Bitcoin. You can book flights, hotels. There are Bitcoin debit cards. Um, however, I do feel the road to acceptance with the general public is is still very, very long for, for Bitcoin. And that's a general overview of what it is and how it works and some of the advantages of it. Wow. I mean, what a journey. I was so intrigued. For like the first five minutes, I was just thinking like, imagine having to carry like sugar or coffee or something around all the time in my purse. That'd be so heavy. Um, and I guess it makes sense, right? It's definitely a transition that would make sense if you look at the technology that's being developed and how we're using internet now compared to just 20 years ago. But I think, like you said, one of the things I thought about was this is cool. Like, you know, it could be quite a big transition. And at the same time, there's still a lot of inequality. So not every country or not every citizen would have access to the same amount of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin um, compared to others right? Or compared to regular money. Exactly. And the other thing is I had to, like I've said, my bias is very anti-Bitcoin and I had to check that shit at the door to really go in into detail and, and just get together enough information to piece that. Um, but there are disadvantages of it. Yeah. And I think there's disadvantages that we're just finding out or maybe we could have contemplated and disadvantages we'll definitely um, see down the line as well as advantages, I bet. Well, if you go back, it, it goes on a basis of trust. People don't trust it. I don't trust it. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you trust it? You know, when I said we trust, I wouldn't trust it because they're not widely accepted. Wallets can and have been lost, you know, accounts, I mean. Um, the, the fluctuation, the valuation, the, the valuation fluctuates ridiculously. You know, in 2011, it was $9.00. And then at one point it was less than a dollar. Now it's $9,000. You have no buyer protection, unlike using conventional money. There's a, there are, as in many things, technical flaws, but exploited technical flaws. There's built-in deflation, no physical form. I think that still we're in a generation, including me, where I think I know what a 20 quid is in my hand. Yeah, but you don't know if you trust it on a computer. Mm, and there's no valuation guarantee. This idea of we're deregulating, man. I like regulations because, like it or lump it, they do maintain some level of stability. Things go up and down by points. But the, the instability of Bitcoin is huge. But I guess you could argue also that's what an argument for, you called it fiat money, um, would be when people were, you know, back then trading bananas for chocolates or whatever. People started going from this, you know, I'll trade you bananas for rice 
to fiat money or paper money, you know, it's where do I, I used to be able to see the value and weigh the value in my hand and now I'm just trusting it. I guess it's kind of like another step into, we're going to see a different direction of how money and economy is handled. Yeah, the, the decentralized nature of Bitcoin is its blessing and its curse. It's its most lucrative selling point and its biggest disadvantage. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that being something attractive to especially a lot of like, um, you know, big business tycoons and people who want to look forward um, progress, but maybe not for the current. You know, I can definitely not see myself going to my bank and withdrawing all my money and investing in Bitcoin instead, right? I think it's fundamentally flawed too, um, because it's not difficult to centralize again. You have a system which cannot infinitely just print out more money as a advantage against a system which can but the system that can a bank can print off all the money it wants to purchase a 51 percent stake of bitcoin and all of a sudden it's under control yeah yeah i guess that's that's true also and these are kind of challenges that we'll see going forward um you know how it plays a role in everyday life or even in business life Absolutely. And, and speaking of going forward, should we go forward ourselves and move on to the quick fire, not so quick fire, but sometimes quick fire round? Yes, let's shall. Yeah, I fucking nailed it that time, didn't I? <laughs> After like nine episodes. <laughs> so this is the part of the show where we have some quick fire questions, not so quick fire, but sometimes quick fire. Common cues, today's common cues, they're going to be all about Bitcoin, what it is, what it isn't. If you have any questions at all, science-related or otherwise, technology, send them to us, news at gmail.com. We'd love to have some come into the show. We'll answer them on air, give you a shout-out, and uh, uh, just just promoting science all over the shop is what we're trying to promote. Or tweet them over to us at BF News Podcast or Bearing Fake News on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Sweetie, you've got the cues. Fire away. All right. So the first one is, how much does Bitcoin cost? Uh, today, as of recording on the 23rd of July, Bitcoin is about seven and a half grand, nine and a half thousand dollars per Bitcoin today. Jesus Christ, that's a lot. All right, second question is all cryptocurrency, I mean, is all currency going to be cryptocurrency in the future? Depends what you mean by in the future, but I would say yes. I don't know the timeline, but one day. I do imagine all currency to be cryptocurrency and the that will have to factor into big business banks and government's tax strategies. Yeah, I can see big businesses and banks and stuff like that moving forward with it much quicker than the average Joe, I would say. And speaking of that... Well, again, it, it comes down to tax. Yeah. Um, it, com- it comes down to tax and it comes down to... Um, sorry, that's such a good segue, and I derailed you. I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, you know, it's such a, it's, it's, we'll also as a nation, we'll also as a globe have to write new policy, tax policy for cryptocurrency. Yes, definitely. And speaking of the average Joe, so should I get Bitcoin? No. If you're sat there thinking, oh, have I missed the boat? No, you haven't missed the boat. No, you shouldn't get Bitcoin. I think we still have a lot of, you know, we'll seize, um, like pinpointed there. So No, it's just a straight up no. This is not the time. 
yeah, we still definitely to try and figure it out. So, can you just print more of it? No. This is its inherent advantage over banks, is you can't have it devalued, essentially, by someone printing more of it. It is, quote-unquote, printed or made through what's called mining, and you have Bitcoin miners. And that is an entire topic for an entirely different show or podcast. Again, if there's an interest, if there's buzz around Bitcoin and tech cryptocurrencies, we will go on further and do some more discussions about it. This is just a, a general overview. Scratch. We're not even scratching the surface, though. Um, and it, it's more Bitcoin is found or created through what's called mining. Ooh. So can I get rich off Bitcoin? No. No. People have, but they were rich already. And I think there's definitely far safer investments out there than this at least currently. Um, and finally, what do you think is Bitcoin success? Mm, probably marketing. I think it's been really well marketed and its pseudo anonymity that it provides allows or is what people keep using it for trades with. Um, North Korea, Venezuela, these countries who are no longer allowed by international banking will still do trades and buy things with Bitcoin anonymously. Yeah, and I think it's, again, early days still, right? Um, and we're still not really sure how it's going to be working. So um, there's definitely lots of really cool speculation around it, I think, especially this like futuristic, like, ooh, we're moving on to the digital age, we're moving on to everything being online. Um, and I guess currency doesn't want to stay behind. But we're definitely still seeing, you know, where this leads. Uh yes we've got a long way to go and i think we'll get there and i think one day we will be without physical money but it will be way longer than people think and way longer people want we're just not ready for it yet as a globe and i think you made a very good point saying that you know we'd have to definitely figure out what laws and legislations around this even like especially tax um would look like um, more technology we start introducing into our everyday life. Same with drones, for example. You know, how do we regulate this? Yeah, it has to be new policy. We can't we can't just take policy that we've already drafted and put it into place to cover it. We need new policy. Yeah, and it's very unprecedented. So, I like you said, I think it'll take a while just to figure out the legislation of how it's going to work. And again, it's just not. It's not regulated, and this is the problem. It's hyper-volatile compared to fiat money. It's just so hyper-volatile. Yeah, so don't put all your eggs in one basket, I would say. In this case, Bitcoin. <laughs> <sighs> Do you have any more questions, or is that the last of them? That's it. That was our quick fire. Not so quick fire, but sometimes quick fire round. Ooh, look, you're just showing off now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I said at the start, I'll say it again. Remember, we'd love to hear from you. Do emails, get in touch if you have anything. No questions too stupid. Ugh, I'm just fed up of talking about Bitcoin. Sweetie, do you know what time it is now? I love this time of the week. It's my favorite part and literally the only reason I do this show. The hour is upon us. So, if I'm right, yeah, play that funky music, white boy. Oh, 
that music can only mean one thing. It's time for Tweets of the Week. If you see any tweets from these crazy boomers in the wild, send them over to us, email them to us. All the links are in the description. Sweetly kick us off with number one. Let's do it. All right, tweet number one. Bitcoin will be the one and only money in 14 to 29 years. Hashtag Bitcoin will be accepted by everyone everywhere. Those other currencies won't be more than part of history of the financial system found in textbooks. SDR is a total joke. Ooh, imagine having been able to go on holiday and just spending the same money that you earn, like not having to exchange currency. Forex trading, you're not even going to have traders. How are you going to have anyone trading on the stock markets with Forex? Yeah, and I love, Martha, I love how specific this uh, tweet is, like between 14 and 29 oh, exactly. years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> hey, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to eat our hats in 14, 29 years and we'll both be wrong, but I don't see this coming true. And, and the other thing yeah. is, even if Bitcoin is the one and only money, that means everyone's poorer as a result because a lot of wealth is based on the fact that there are so many different currencies. Well, I'd like to see, like you said, you know, how would Venezuela deal with the Bitcoin if they can't, you know, print more of it? That's actually um, a really interesting point. I think it would definitely put some... Yeah, what what would so like I can see you know I, I guess it's kind of like the European Union sort of idea, right? It works for some people. How would it work for everyone though? Um, I can definitely see some economies struggling so much more to adapt to that currency. So I don't think in fourteen to twenty nine years we'll see this. More, you know, recently, Venezuela has been run by what's his name. Nicolas Maduro. Maduro, right? So Venezuela is a really great example of how little relevance Bitcoin has today. Maduro succeeded uh, Chavez and, and was the dictator going forward. Then they had the vote and he was basically, he lost, but he still clings to power, right? And he's been propped up by Cubans and Russia. When his country needed money... Mm. Uh, 2017 the uk government which holds venezuelan gold blocked the selling of it yeah i saw that means that the russians have a load of bitcoin the cubans have a load of bitcoin i'm sure venezuela has a load of bitcoin they still went to gold first instead of the bitcoin and it'll happen more often than not um i think when it comes down to real emergencies and real like when people want to hold on to something tangible, we will always go back to very basic things. Gold, yeah. sugar, salt, that sort of thing. Simply because we know it's something that does not lose its value. You know, our papers and our coins. Yeah, absolutely. Gold, gold. And if you think that's going to supersede mm. gold, you're deluded. Absolutely deluded. At least not in the foreseeable future. I, I can't see it. And again, in case of emergencies, we'll always go to what's safe. And that's not safe yet. Tweet number two. They are picking the core they are picking the core Bitcoiners off one by one. Charlie Schramm, Mark Capellas, Eric Voorhees. Who's next? Roger Ver? I'm gonna sound really ignorant here, but I have no idea who any of these people are. Correct, neither did I, but you know what's really fun about this tweet? What? The first line, they are picking the core Bitcoiners off one by one. And I, then I Googled the first name, <laughs> Bitcoin entrepreneur. All these people are rich and they're big Bitcoin guys, right? And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, Christ, if we're seeing like early death in all these Bitcoin guys, what does that tell you? You know, what, what, 
a big government, <laughs> big banks scared of that they are assassinating apparently all these guys in Bitcoin. Why are they all dropping dead? They're all alive. <laughs> so I don't. So they're not actually dead. No. <laughs> No, so we don't things... know what they're referring to. Actually, I have no idea what this tweet's about. It just says they're picking off core Bitcoiners one by one, and I thought, here we go, some juiciness. Nope, they're alive. Nope, they're alive. Nope, they're alive. Nope, they're alive. What the fuck? <laughs> I also always like really find tweets that have like a very vague, um, ominous they in them. Like, who's they? Is it the government? Is it like? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was just thinking, God, if all these Bitcoiners are dropping dead, then that must be something. That's that's interesting. Maybe a pure coincidence, but interesting nonetheless. But no, they're all alive. So there we are. (laughs) That was disappointing and antiquated. It was. (laughs) Tweet number three. Then (laughs) Bitcoin is realer than coronavirus, and economic destruction will destroy and kill way more lives than coronavirus ever would. Yes, Ooh. Bitcoin and coronavirus can be found Join in tweets. <laughs> and again, this is someone pushing Bitcoin, and I look like it will destroy more and kill more than coronavirus ever would. Yeah, I'm guessing they're referring to economic destruction will kill more than coronavirus ever would. I'm not sure how Bitcoin like goes into this, and why, like, what does Bitcoin realer than coronavirus even mean? Well, I think by economic destruction, they mean the the stepping away from fiat money and going on to completely digital platform, I pres- presume. Oh, you see, we interpreted that one differently. I thought it was like, you know, the economic destruction that coronavirus would bring will kill more. So, very unclear. Hmm. Moving on to number four. I'm sorry, I, I had to take a pause there. My mind was trying to make sense of these words. For the first time in 20 years, Americans are using words like inflation and price index in day-to-day conversations. Financial literacy is growing because of COVID-19 and government's response and the world is seeing there are other options. Long reign the king, hashtag Bitcoin. I must say um, that my favorite part about this suite is definitely the rain. Like, R, it's not spelled R-E-I-G-N, it's rain, R-A-I-N. Right. Um, fun fact about this tweet, It's tweeted by one of the guys who was picked off from the previous tweets. No. Yes. And even better is (laughs) because I was like, like, this guy's alive. And then I saw this tweet and I went, oh, this guy's just made tweet of the week. (laughs) (laughs) What happened for the first time in 20 years? So up to 20 years ago, everyone was uh, financially literate. And then what? We... After 99, we just stopped talking about inflation and price index. Yeah, I don't exactly, at least in the conversations I've had, I haven't had people, you know, throw around words like inflation and price index in relation to coronavirus. Um, so I'm not really sure who this person is talking to. The time scale makes no sense. No, none. <laughs> Long reign the king. Um, so tweet number five. The next generations will look back at us and see us as absolute idiots. Coronavirus should facilitate the move to Bitcoin only. Sadly, it won't. What? Sadly, it won't. But why would coronavirus facilitate the move to Bitcoin only? Sadly, it won't. 
And that's why future generations will look back and see us as absolute idiots. Don't know. Don't know. Oh, God. No idea. Oh, my God. Number six. (laughs) I quite like this one. Remember in 2018 when Forever 21 tweeted that they laughingly do not accept Bitcoin? Now they filed for bankruptcy. Let this be a lesson. (laughs) As a person who once shopped in Forever 21, I'd like to point out that not accepting Bitcoin is probably not the reason Forever 21 went under. <laughs> so I did actually do a little bit of digging into this, and they did actually tweet that. To me. In, in this person's defense, Forever 21 did tweet once upon a time, stop asking, no, we don't accept Bitcoin, lol. Oh, that's good. That's good. But, you know, correlation <laughs> is not causation, so... <laughs> I'm sure the Forever 21 heads would definitely argue, you know, it was different things. Oh, they had a lot more shit to worry <laughs> about, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. Number seven, then. Death of the dollar. People desperate for money. Very sad. If government gives you free money, take it. Spend it wisely. Invest in gold, silver, or preferably Bitcoin. This is, reminds me of a Donald Trump tweet, to be honest. Uh, some of these were replies to his, but no. Oh, good. <laughs> this, this was funny. So, let's say you take your 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 free money from the government, your however much you have. Do you want gold? Do you want silver? Or do you want Bitcoin? <laughs> uh, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know, there's so many like um things going on here. It's like people desperate for money, okay. Very sad. Oh, the emotional aspect of it. If the government gives you free money, take it. I mean, who wouldn't take it, you know? Spend it wisely and then invest in Donald invest in like I can definitely see Donald Trump tweeting this. Well, speaking of Donald Trump, he didn't tweet this, but this was a reply to his tweet. And his tweet said, let me just get this up for us, just so we're working with some context here. And I'll magically edit it out so there's no delay. He said, I am not a fan of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, which are not money and whose value is highly volatile and based on thin air. Unregulated crypto assets can facilitate unlawful behavior, including drug trade, and other illegal activity. Um, not really a bad tweet, considering the crap he normally puts out. Well, I think he brings up some interesting points. I'm not actually sure if any of them are legit, but... Um, no, no, they are. I'll, I'll go read about Bitcoin. He's not wrong, but this was a reply to it. Number eight. What you call money, we call slavery. What you call thin air, we call math. What you call unlawful behavior, we call freedom. Decentralized. Fuck the system. Oh, wow. This guy is like a real revolutionary here. <laughs> yeah, and just going back, obviously, it's not based on thin air. It's, its value is highly volatile. That's why it's, no one trusts it. It is unregulated, which is why it's so volatile. And because of its anonymity that it offers, a lot of um, drug trade and arms trade is 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 processed on it yeah again definitely benefits definitely disadvantages to it too i'm very like concerned of why this person says when you call money we call slavery like i'm pretty sure slaves don't get money that's the issue because there's some 20 something or under year old who 
has never worked a job in their life, think they're entitled to a million pounds and don't want to have to work for it. I don't fucking know. It's that far hard left <laughs> utopia, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not too sure what this, you know, person is coming from, but um, I mean, interesting. Interesting. They were mad when they wrote that. So, definitely, definitely from the quotation, I mean, from the exclamation points, I could definitely see that. So, this one's a very interesting one, too. I quite like this one. Number nine. Imagine if Harry didn't have to go to Gringotts and ask goblins for permission to get his money. Harry deserves magic money. Bitcoin is a magic internet money with, with, without central authority that controls it. Bitcoin is freedom made by wizards for wizards. Wow. Oh, Harry Potter got uh, it more. Yeah, obviously, it means Harry Potter, but when you started reading, I was like, that's like Prince Harry? He's not a prince anymore. Just Harry? <laughs> Oh, they have a lot in common, I guess. <laughs> um, Green gods. J.K. Rowling sent a tweet out saying, can someone explain Bitcoin to me? Oh, that makes so much more sense. I just thought somebody would, you know, decide that they would use a hairy analogy for this. That was Bitcoin amazing. Bitcoin is magic internet money. Yeah. Without central That's authority. So Made by wizards for wizards. Made by wizards. <laughs> Made for wizards. Oh, gosh. Oh, um, my God. What's your favorite Bitcoin tweet this week? I, there's like different, several aspects of different tweets that I like, but I think my favorite has probably got to be the Harry Potter one. I got very excited that Harry Potter got involved yeah, into I a like tweet. Yeah, I I quite like that. I thought it was actually not a bad analogy. They're picking <laughs> off the core Bitcoiners one by one. Oh, and yeah. It's just a bunch of guys who are still alive. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them who's tweeted, you know, literally the other day, for the first time in 20 years, American, for the first time in 20 years, Americans are illiterate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Long reign the king. So very unclear as to what. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love that one. Long reign the king. Oh, and as always, number 10, just to show there are leaders of truth out there. This was tweeted by at Peter L. Brandt. He has the blue tick of legitimacy. He's a futures and FX trader, has been since the mid-70s. And he said, quote, eventually all paper fiat will be obsolete. Global monetary system will be tokenized, perhaps in a form that we have not yet imagined. I just object to the arrogance of crypto cultists to assume their favorite pet rock will reign supreme. I'd like to point out that rain is spelled correctly this time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe he read the above tweet and I'm fucking. Exactly. I, I think it's a really good tweet. It really is a palate cleanser. I think, you know, um, he, I do agree with it. Um, we're definitely always moving forward and, you know, paper money might be obsolete one day. We don't know if it'll be in our lifetime or not. And maybe what comes next, we haven't even thought of yet. It could be Bitcoin. It could be something completely different. Yeah, and, and I like the way that refers to them as cultists, and I've tried to avoid that word up to this point, but I cannot stress enough that this is such a cult feel and cultist nush about it. Yeah, and I think in general, we kind of get a lot of that same feeling from people who, like, you know, really love Tesla or elon musk or you know really specific like technology you think like we are definitely seeing so many advances and so many are really cool really promising futuristic for sure yeah. but you know 
most of the changes we don't even have it. It may be that once this new monetary system comes into place and we do have this new form that we've not yet imagined, that we look back retrospectively with Bitcoin and think, God, this could have been better. It was just too ahead of its time and not ready for it yet. And that's possible. Yeah, and, and I think we definitely have a lot of um, obstacles to overcome. Like, again, I constantly just think of disparity in the world. You know, maybe developed countries are ready for it. Um, my experience in them has been, you know, they can move forward with this. But being from Mexico and other developing countries, like, I just, I still think we have so much work to do with real money that I cannot imagine what it would be like to transition to something even newer yet. So a lot of work still needs to be done. I, I agree. I completely agree. And, and that kind of rounds off Tweets of the Week and, and today's episode. What are we talking about next week? I'm excited. Um, I think we've had some really interesting news from the Oxford uh, vaccine group and coronavirus latest developments. And we will be discussing what the actual papers from these groups that have been developing vaccines for COVID-19 are uh, actually saying. Ah, yes, I remember now. I'm supposed to read some biology and then be twisted my arm into that somehow. And that concludes this week's episode of Bearing Fake News. Join us next week uh, where I'll be uh, having read some biology, discussing a soliloquy and a a cacophony of of biology, I'm sure. Um, He's delighted by it, by the way. (laughs) uh, Oh, I just can't wait. And in the meantime, in between time, Big thank you again because you've made it this far and you deserve a medal for doing so. We know it's not easy. We know it's not uh, something that you'd, you'd wish upon your worst enemy, your Bitcoin traders out there. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We really appreciate it. If you could get involved on Google Podcasts and like and subscribe, if you could get involved in Spotify, whatever you choose to listen to, like, subscribe. It really helps us out. Um, you can contact us. Yes, you can contact us. News at gmail.com. We run a tight ship here, and I've definitely got the right notes in front of me. Uh, on Twitter, at BF News Podcast, nobody tweets us, and that's okay, because I don't even open the account particularly frequently either. Like, subscribe, help us sanitize the web of misinformation out there. Somehow we've muddled through yet another episode of Bearing Fake News, sweetie. Say goodnight. Good night, guys. Ah, oh, I forgot to say it's tired. I'm getting late. Oh, that's okay. You are tired. It's getting late.